Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. Uh, this will be the last live show for Down Ballot on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. The next live show for Down Ballot will be Friday, March 3rd, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, right before Conspiracy Bingo. And um, I think that's a good idea because we'll be able to cover a little bit more of the San Jose City Council meeting as a result. Plus, uh, I don't know. It'll be good. Anyway, I'm Producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. What's up, everybody? Uh, you can... This is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter if it's still there at the underscore councilman. Uh, you can also find me driving my Tesla on autopilot, crashing into buildings and uh, driving things off of cliffs. Um, but for now, you can find me right here with producer Dave live on a Tuesday night. I'm looking forward to the Friday night move because, you know, I'm one of those guys that really doesn't have much to do anymore on a Friday night except baby. <laughs> baby is everything. I, I'm just, I'm, I think I'm just going to show you baby pictures all night. I might just put it up on my screen and making my avatar <laughs> instead of your camera yeah yeah she was going to join us tonight but she's she decided to take a nap so well i mean <clears throat> as as for as a as a as adorable as the bad baby is the bad baby isn't much of a uh uh news contributor at this point so she, yeah she does she had definitely has opinions she can't necessarily elucidate them very well but she certainly voices them a lot <laughs> um, but yeah, not, not very productive or, 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 doesn't really add a whole lot to the, to the show as it were right now, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I, I give her a year. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to the switch to Friday. I'm also looking forward to, uh, having uh, Tuesdays off or being able to, <clears throat> I don't know. We used to do testimony Tuesday where we'd find some weird deposition and me and the media mm -hmm. would just watch some crazy deposition. So we're looking forward to maybe doing that, but mostly to having Tuesdays off. And for people who are interested in what's going on with local love, uh, sometimes there might be live performances and interviews uh, during the Catterday show. But what we're going to be doing with local love actually is allowing bands and artists to come in at times other than Tuesday at nine o'clock so that we can open it up to more artists and people who aren't available, people who would rather come in like on a Saturday afternoon or a Monday afternoon, Tuesday, Tuesday evening still open for bands to come in. We're just not going to push that live to Twitch and you'll still be able to find local love on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube Odyssey. And if you're really brave rumble or bit shoot, <laughs> but don't watch bitch. any other videos there besides ours. My God, did you just call me a bitch? I think you just called me a bitch. I may have, I may have no, it's bit shoot. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I totally misheard you. I'm sorry. I, I'm hearing things. I would, I would, I would never call anyone that on this channel. Other people are free to do what they would like to do, but I do not use gender slurred, gendered slurs on this channel anymore. As, recommended Anymore. to me by the many people who tell me what to do around here and by that i mean <laughs> the people who pay me money to be on <laughs> members of the community here so more um, is the operative word obviously so without any further ado we'll get to leading off apparently i i don't i was unaware of this but apparently covid is no longer an emergency in the state of california seems incorrect to me but uh the state of emergency is over and we're going to see what nbc bay area has to say about that Nearly three years ago, our lives changed as we went into a COVID emergency. Next week, California's COVID state of emergency will expire. That emergency declaration gave Governor Newsom the power to issue mandates like masking and those school closures. So what does it mean moving forward? Here's NBC Barry's Audrey Assistio. Rajan Jess, about three years ago, our country was on the verge of the COVID pandemic. California was the first in the nation to lock down in March 2020. Next week, pandemic is moving into a less dire phase, but some medical experts caution this change may cause a bit of confusion. 
Yeah, so there are four groups of people, I think. There are people with private insurance, people on Medicare, people on uh, Medi-Cal, and people who have no insurance. And if you fall in the no insurance group, UCSF's Dr. Peter Chin Hong says moving forward, you may fall between the cracks when it comes to getting free or low-cost care, COVID testing, and vaccinations. Depending on where you live. In you know many parts of the Bay Area in California, there are safety nets. But that's very variable depending on where you live. Ending the state of emergency means mass vaccination and testing clinics will no longer be operating. Also, health insurance companies won't have to fully cover COVID vaccines, testing and therapeutics after November 11th. This while hospitals are still seeing a number of COVID patients. But there are still sick people. Uh, You know, I'm still taking care of people with actual real COVID disease in the hospital. Our numbers haven't really changed too much in the last few weeks. It's just that, you know, it seems that a lot of people have mild disease, but some people don't. President Biden plans to end the nation's COVID public health emergency in May. Raj, Jess. So what they just said is, uh, fuck you if you're poor. Pretty much, but it's not always the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, here in Santa Clara County, I think that people without health insurance will still be able to get free uh, vaccination just because the yes. public health infrastructure here is... Um, I would say as far for places that don't have universal health care, you would you could do a lot worse than Santa Clara County if you uh, don't have uh, private health insurance. Correct. Yeah, you actually uh, we have pretty much universal health care. I mean, if you can afford even a modicum, like a really tiny amount of health care, you can um, uh, you can make it work here with the family health plan and with the Valley Medical Center plan. Um, and it's actually Valley Medical Center is a very good hospital. Frankly, you get very good treatment there. So um, the public health system is also not just accessible; it's also high quality. Um, in some cases, better than the private sector. Um, so yes, uh, we're, we're going to do well here, I think, and we always have because we have a very cautious and very uh, astute uh, county health department. Um, but that being said, uh, the rest of the state, you know, you can't speak for all of it, right? Shasta County, for example, who knows? Yeah, we do a lot um, so, of coverage of Shasta County, and I feel like the people there, that's that's going to be one of the places. But it's not just Shasta. It's going to be like places like Bakersfield. Yeah. L.A. County will probably be more like the Bay Area um, just because they have, again, they have their robust, they have a pretty robust public health, public health services there. But it'll be, yeah. it'll be the very people who are celebrating the end of the, uh, the, uh, the state of emergency, as declared by Gavin Newsom, who are going to be the ones left holding the bag and by that i mean a bag that no longer has money in it if they were if they need any covid related care yeah that's that and that's already sort of trickling down from the feds anyway um there's i mean there was a lot of funding there a lot of relief funding out there for a lot of projects and programs that are going to be left hanging now because that funding is not going to be there and there are a lot of programs that were set up and stood up with the idea that, oh, we'll figure it out. You know, once the COVID relief funds run out, we'll figure out where to get the money from, but they don't know where to get the money from. And there's going to be a lot of folks left out in the cold. Um, and yes, it's absolutely going to be the poor, the, um, the lower class, working class, um, people of color, women, um, all of your, the young people, all of your normal, um, normally oppressed and underrepresented groups, unfortunately. You know, when the, when COVID first hit, I thought that, first of all, I didn't, think it was going to be uh, as long an ordeal um, as, it, as it turned out to be. I thought people were going to behave a little more responsibly. I don't know why I thought that after all the things we've been doing for the past however long around here. I was going to say, which, what network are you on again? Yeah. 
And um, because I was like, hey, all this conspiracy stuff, it's actually going to be a real problem when we need when when a crisis that's then a crisis. hit. I'm like, ah, I think people are probably going to do everything. People are probably going to be fine. And but the other thing I thought is that I thought we were going to see more like agitation by more people for universal health care, either at the state or the federal level, even even in the midst of conspiracism, I thought we were going mm-hmm. to see that. And what had what ended up happening was a lot of the people who were at least wearing that public health care thing, like a like a necklace, like a, like a decoration to their maybe to their YouTube channel or whatever to try to claim that they wanted good things for society. Uh, Jimmy Dore. Um, no, those people became anti-vaxxers, actually. And uh, that that's crazy. Hashtag healthcare for all. Um, yeah, it, it's it's well. It seems to me that, that just a massive opportunity has been missed here too. I mean, um, if, if there was ever a time when you could get full fledged public support, I mean, it's already there for universal healthcare as far as the numbers go. Um, but if if you really wanted to support like nine eleven post nine eleven style support. For it, you'd think now would be the time, right? During the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic, when there are so many people who need healthcare to to keep the community safe, right? And keep us, you know, keep us bitty white people in our little single family homes safe, right? Um, from uh, from the disease, right? Um, it behooves uh, us for everyone to be vaccinated, um, so that we're we're all safe. Uh, so, yes, it's it's a uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's a sad state of affairs, and it's not. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think the disease is going or the virus is going away. I don't think no. that the, we're, we're going away. I just think that we're the smart people that I listen to money. On, the smart people that I listen to on this say that we're probably in a place where we're going to transition to it being endemic versus versus pandemic. But you know, who knows, who knows, you know, who knows what's going to happen. The thing's still out there. Things still infecting people. The thing's still mutating. And, who knows? I mean, what, you know, we end this state of emergency and then like a really nasty version of this t- starts, you know, somewhere in some city or some small towns and really nasty yeah. version of this starts spreading around. And then they re- they redo the state of emergency. People are going to lose their fucking minds. People are going to go so crazy. They're going to claim that the that the new variant is fake and that the government mm. just wants control. It's going to be a fucking shit show. And I, I don't know, you know, if you just look at like the numbers, it's like, we're the, we're the country, we're the, we're the rich country without universal healthcare. And then you look at the fucking per capita death numbers and you're like, well, gee, I wonder why these things correlate. <laughs> why are, why Isn't is it fascinating? Why, why is it that the country, why is it the country without any unit, without like government healthcare? Like, why is it that country had the most people dying? It's like, well, you. You, I, gee, I wonder how did how did that come to be? There also, there's also a lot to be said for the structural uh, changes that are going to have to take effect, right? And, and infrastructure changes that are really going to have to um, be adopted. We'll hear about it later, I think, in a couple of these items, but um, that are somewhat related. But really, there's going to be some real substantial change that has to happen because you're right; it is going to be endem- endemic. Um, it's going to become uh, more like a, a polio or a smallpox, I think, where it's going to take many, many years, hundreds of years in some cases, to like quote unquote eradicate it. And even now, there's still, you know, up until last year, wild cases of polio out there, right? Even after billions of dollars and decades have been spent trying to to eradicate it. So, um, yeah, it's going to take quite a long time to, to, till we get uh, up past 
COVID, and I don't think we ever will get past it at this point. I, I think we're all fooling ourselves if we're thinking if you're thinking that because that's sort of how the thought was the first year, right? Like you were saying, like I I didn't think it would be that long either. I thought we would all just get our shit together, we get a vaccine, and everyone would be like, get the vaccine, move on. Um, but no, you know, we've we've had the have less than stellar adoption and, globally. And I think public health officials did kind of a bad job. They said, oh, the vaccine's going to stop the spread. They just could have just used the word reduce. So, cause then mm. the vaccine, people got the vaccine and still got the, still got COVID. They got a much yeah. milder case of it. And they're like, well, now the public health officials are lying. And it's like, well, they kind of did actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. They, they weren't entirely truthful or they weren't clear about, you're right. About, what would happen and what, what, what was, you know, what the potentials were. And yeah, it's like with this, it's like the way it reduces the spread of COVID is legitimately because it reduces your symptoms. If you're not coughing yeah. all over the place and you have COVID, you're just going to spread it less. It doesn't, yeah. you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. Right? Like it makes sense if the symptoms are how it spreads and you reduce the symptoms, then you're going to reduce the spread. But then they were just like, Oh, if you get, if you get this vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. And it's like, why did you say that? Like the chickenpox vaccine, the measles vaccine, none of the vaccines are like a hundred percent. Right. There's no perfect vaccine. Yeah. I mean, you're giving yourself the virus generally with the vaccine, right? With, with, with typical vaccines, right? You're pretty much giving yourself a different version of the virus or you're giving yourself the antibody. You're, you're putting yourself, putting it in you so that you can fend it off basically. Um, so we're all infected in some way. We're all going to get it at some point. It's but you're but and the truth is yes if you have the vaccine it's it's much more mild and it's harder to get right harder to transmit um, but not, doesn't make it impossible doesn't make it zero percent nothing is zero percent nothing is a hundred percent well death um, is a hundred percent eventually that's tr- well I guess so I mean um, none of us but, are dead yet we don't know for sure exactly right anything's possible um, but in reality right <laughs> snap back to reality. Um, you know, the more more people are vaccinated, the, the closer we get to um, some sort of herd immunity, or at least being you know being able to consider it like the flu, right, or like um, just some sort of seasonal virus. And I just I just think the the mask thing, the fact that that became a political thing. I think we could have learned something completely different from the masks because when most people were wearing masks, flu season was almost nil because flu is spread the same way that the coronaviruses are spread. Mm-hmm. And so even yeah. just a shitty cloth mask, you're going to catch a lot of the water droplets where the, the, the virus travels. You're, again, it's the yeah. reduction of spread. It's not going to stop you from getting it. It's going to stop you from giving it to someone else. Right. And uh, we could have learned that. And then maybe, the, maybe after, you know, we would have learned that. Then flu season comes around. You start wearing a mask at the store. You start wearing a mask if, you know, the place like the DMV, the post office, where everybody got to go. You wear a mask there. Then you yeah. reduce the spread. But no, it became a fucking, it became a whole other thing. Anyway, let's move on to winners and losers. Leading off was sure was a loser this week. And winners and losers, we got, uh, I always look for cycling stories because I ride my bike and it's, uh, I noticed a dramatic difference actually in the behavior of motorists over here in the burbs versus when I lived over on the west side where a lot more people were riding bikes, a lot more pedestrian traffic. People were just far more conscious of uh, cyclists in a good way over there. But we got a story out of the East Bay where people are uh, conscious of uh, cyclists. And we're going to say this is uh, conscious of cyclists in the worst possible way. This is from uh, KPIX5. That's the CBS affiliate here in the Bay Area. 
Something you may not have heard of. It's called dooring, opening your car door right in front of someone to knock them down, usually a bicyclist. And tonight, one cycling group in Alameda County tells us at least a dozen bikers have been targeted. And victims say these are not accidents, they're intentional. Two of them were hurt so badly they had to go to the hospital. Andrea Nakano talked with one person who knows how badly this can hurt and is worried that other cyclists could be at risk. It's hard to believe Ellie Mead was just riding her bicycle in this bike lane when a car driving by suddenly opened the door. With no room to maneuver, she crashed into the door and fell to the ground. I just hit it with my bike, fell off my bike, kind of registered suddenly I was on the ground. This car sped away. As it sped away, I heard them laughing. Ellie Mead was on her way to an East Bay bike party riding event when she was targeted by a silver sedan in the Rock Ridge neighborhood. It really makes your skin crawl just to think that they were just driving around kind of stalking what us. kind of ballsy doing that on a bike Mead party night? The attack on her was unprovoked and feels it was premeditated. She then came to find out that she wasn't the only victim. I think it's really important for everyone to connect the dots here and you know it's not just like oh another bike and car incident no it's like a it's a pattern of attacks like I'm genuinely worried whoever did this if they're kids whoever like they're gonna steal another car tonight and do it again I'm worried they're gonna do it next bike party like I'm worried victims of these incidents started contacting the East Bay bike party at this point the organization estimates more than 30 people were targeted 12 were hit and two were hospitalized with serious injuries we first learned about one sort of incident Friday night, um, and it didn't really seem like a big deal at that point, but um, Saturday morning when we made the post about that one incident, we started getting a flood of different uh, people experiencing similar things. Mead required eight stitches for the gash above her eye and suffered numerous cuts and bruises. She no longer feels safe to ride her bike and just wants to know why this happened. What those kids did was really unforgivable. And I really would like to know who they are. And I'd like to be able to look them in the eyes. I think that would just be helpful for my own kind of sense of closure. The East Bay Bike Party later discovered the silver sedan used in some of the attacks was reported stolen. The cases are being handled by both the Oakland and Berkeley Police Departments. Ooh, on a bike part, I don't know, dude. Crews hosting a ride in solidarity for the victims of these car attacks in the East Bay. It starts at 11 a.m. on Sunday at the West Oakland BART station. Doing that on a bike party night is a, I mean, you shouldn't do it because it's wrong, but you gonna that you gonna get that ass whooped. You go around mm -hmm. doing that on a bike party night. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, but you look out for each other, right? We we I um I presume I don't know. I'm not consciously doing it or whatever. But if I see other cyclists, I'm probably subconsciously kind of looking out for them. Especially since I moved again to the burbs. People here aren't doing that. I don't think. But people are careless. People aren't paying attention here. They're not, <clears throat> they're not, especially during at night, I guess they probably see you better because if, if you're smart, you have lights. But during the day, like they may just not be paying as much of attention. And, you know, yeah, they can see you, but are they going to notice you? And yeah, mm. I mean, I, I don't know. Don't do that anyway, but you do that on a bike party night. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's already sketchy enough out there, especially in, uh, san jose it seems like these days um we've had a record number of um deaths and severe injuries in the past couple years um when it comes to and i'm not going to say accidents these are not accidents these are collisions is what's happening <laughs> collisions of cars uh, automobiles trucks into 
cyclists um, and pedestrians. And uh, that's obviously always going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, hurt the, the person who does not have the car wrapped around them, right? It's, it's more than likely going to cause more damage to them. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, people need to pay more freaking attention. I think down where you live, uh, it is folks distracted driving, right? Um, uh, the, the billboards are correct. You know, you don't need to send that fucking text. It can wait. You know, but uh, folks are just really excited about. They have FOMO. They, they, you know, they need to get on the gram or something, and they need to, um, you know, let their friends know what's going on live from their car. Um, but these assholes are just a whole. This is a whole different. It's a whole other story. This is a whole different story. These guys, are, these guys are deliberately going out there trying to injure people, and that's just fucking rude. And you know, I've I've only experienced one sort of road rage versus bicycle incident. And you remember when that three foot law passed? Mm. We're now mm-hmm. like the cops will pull you over and ticket you if you don't give a cyclist at least three feet. I think it should be more like five. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy fucking in a truck, of course. I was riding, um, it was when I worked off of uh, O'Toole, kind of that frontage road by the by 880. And a guy like just buzzed by me and like yelled, that's your three feet as he buzzed by me. And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't make that law. Can't you just like not buzz right the fuck by me? And it's like, like there's some uh, motorists who just fucking hate people on bikes and it's fucking oh, yeah. irrational. It's totally irrational. Yeah, but it's true. It's absolutely true. I've, you know, I've, I've seen it. I, I even talk to people um, and the way they, their, their attitude about it is completely that like, Oh, these fuckers think these, Oh, they own the road the, about the cyclists, right? These fuckers think they own the road, you know, whatever, man, they have their bike lane. They're fine. They have a little protected bike lane. But it's like, like you said, three feet, five feet, like inches can sometimes make the difference between life and death, right? Um, and it really, the, the three feet rule doesn't doesn't matter if there's nothing like there in that three feet space, right? That to prevent the car from just, you know, colliding with or trying to occupy the same space as you, right? Um, and I mean, and not bike, not for nothing. Most people do move away from a bicycle when they drive by it. Sure. Sure, most people absolutely. do it's not that the va- it's not that but it only take you know it only, it only takes a few it only takes one or two close calls to get somebody off a bike and back into their car and you know you know i guess the environment or whatever but the you know glo- global warming climate change we need big structurals for that but like also that person they're just losing the enjoyment of being able to fucking ride their bike around town sure. like tons of people with cars ride their bike around town they don't do it because it's quicker Right, they do it because they like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we have to, we can build this in structurally. I mean, it has to be built in structurally. I think to, uh, to our infrastructure and our design and and the way we build cities and the way we build our our environment here as humans, um, we need to account for this. We need to um, either build more integrated and safer infrastructure or we need to separate the infrastructure and make sure that it's protected and make sure that cyclists have their space and pedestrians have their space and yes if you want to drive your tesla or your uh, your other automobile you're allowed to do that right um and you have a space to do that in without injuring the other folks right but it's it, it's going to be really hard to build separate infrastructures just a lot of a lot of infrastructure a lot of money a lot of resources you know so is there, there have to be there have to be ways where we can you know integrate and, and still um, keep people safe. It's like counterintuitive, but my experience has been that the denser the area is, the safer it is for a cyclist. Seems um, like it. It just it just seems like <clears throat> like 
in downtown San Jose. I'll, I'll ride right up fucking first street in downtown. And I am not even, I am not worried. Like people are, cause there's kind of a lot going on. There's a lot of traffic. People are more alert. So, and, and they're just used to seeing cyclists and pedestrians. And there's there. more of you. Yeah. There's more of you down there. There's more pedestrians. There's more cyclists there. Right. That's just more, you know, it's more commonplace. Um, but people are looking out for you. Right. Just naturally. Um, so yeah, it's the, the more the denser we get, I think the more infrastructure and the more the more inf- uh, d- the denser we get, I think the, sa- the more safety we will see. But f- right now, there's just there's this kind of confluence between of of eras, and uh, cars are winning, unfortunately, because they have all the the armor. Yep, well, we're going to move on to another story, and it's about a car. Um, oh. It's this is a uh, Tesla versus fire truck, and uh, if you look at the still here, I'm going to go and go ahead and say the fire truck won. Fire truck wins. Like let's 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 hear what happened here. This is up in uh, this is up in Walnut Creek. All right. Well, moving on, we have other news coming out of the East Bay. New details on a deadly crash which killed the driver of Tesla and injured several firefighters on I-680 in Walnut Creek. ABC7 News reporter Cornell Bernard says, despite being involved, firefighters jumped into action to help. Well, that is their job. Yeah, we were all seated in, belted in. Uh, yeah. We were just, we were basically blocking the scene. Contra Costa County Fire Captain Chris DeMeo says his crew was about to clear the scene of a non-injury accident on northbound 680 in Walnut Creek early Saturday when their fire engine was suddenly rocked. Uh, very jolting and uh, it almost just didn't feel like it was real. So uh, just remember all my equipment and the rig going forward. The captain says their rig was struck by a Tesla. The impact so powerful, parts of the car went underneath the ladder truck. The stunned firefighters jumped into action. We're trying to cut these people out and save save these people, these victims. Sadly, the car's driver died at the scene. The passenger was taken to the hospital with critical injuries. The CHP says it's unclear if drugs or alcohol were a factor, and it's still unknown if the Tesla had its autopilot feature engaged. While firefighters were working, another car on the freeway narrowly missed them. You know, it was very tense, and I was like, just had one incident, and it was just about to have another incident. Four firefighters, including Captain DeMeo, went to the hospital. We were treated for lower back pain. One of my guys had a cut on his hand. Most of the firefighters were back on duty Saturday afternoon. But despite its size, its color, and all the flashing lights, firefighters say this is not the first time a car has collided with one of its trucks. It's occurred multiple times. It occurs so much throughout the United States that there's a national standard for how fire departments respond to accidents on the freeway. The department says the fire crew followed that protocol using the engine as a safety barrier to protect other first responders on scene. They remind drivers the law requires them to slow down and move over when approaching emergency vehicles. Captain DeMeo says his crew did what they were trained to do. The thing was I'm very proud of my guys because, you know, just as much as we were in an accident, they all jumped right in and started doing their job, you know, and it was like it would just go, go, go. In Walnut Creek, Cornell Bernard, ABC 7 News. Yeah, those guys are badasses. Their shit just got hit. Some of them were injured and they were out there. That's why there ain't no song called Fuck the Fire Department. Right. And they're out there not just saving lives. They're trying to save the life of the person that just hit them. Um, and unfortunately, it could not uh, in the case of the driver. But uh, yeah, I, again, another one of those stories where I don't know that this would make news if it wasn't a Tesla, right? Like this kind of shit happens, like they said, all the time. There's like a national standard. That's why there's a uh, national standard because it happens all the time. But you don't see it on the news all the time. You well, see it when a Tesla hits it. 
I mean, in this case, the damage to the car was pretty gnarly. And as we know, if it bleeds, it, it bleeds. So this probably yeah. would have would have made the news. Yeah. But the, the other um, thing that's that some uh, auto safety experts have, have said is that because like your car, if you have a um, like you just have a regular car with an internal combustion engine, actually, the engine protects you to some mm-hmm. extent. And mm-hmm. these, these, they don't, the Teslas don't have that. So if you get on a collision in the front of your car at speed, the, the, you know, the cars, you know, they're fair, they're fairly, they pass all the safety tests and stuff, but in a really high speed collision, that engine isn't there to kind of almost like inflict damage on the other car. Sure. And the manifold around, I mean, it's really the, the, I don't know, I don't fuck about cars, but the structure around the engine, right? All the, everything that takes, but right, that's all, that's engine. all very, yeah, that's all very it's strong too. Cause that's solid. all the fucking engine in. Yeah, I mean that can obviously crush up against you as the driver, right, right. passenger. That's what happens. But um, and that's happened to me. But uh, uh, in in an accident. But yes, yeah, there is there is that there. It looks like a Tesla. It looks like you know, uh, paper mache or aluminum foil when it when it hits something. It's just gonna tear apart. And it has to be pretty light, right? It's built it's built from lightweight materials because it's an electric car. And if you want it to go fast, you need lightweight materials. But that downside of that is when you hit something, your car is not gonna win that battle almost any time well nobody i mean the fire truck is part of its job is as they said is to also be a barrier in a situation like this oh, so, hundo, it's, so hundo, it's, yeah it's it's probably they probably add weight to it that isn't even necessary so that it's firmly planted on the ground that's what i would do mm. with a vehicle like that because like it isn't drag but, racing it's a fire truck you know so yeah, yeah it's built out of chrome and all that really good you know solid shit right solid metals and shit and you know like chat was saying not for nothing if it wouldn't have been a tesla they might not have even said the brand of the car but the implication is because they say it's a tesla you're like well was it in this uh autopilot mode and it is it is fucking criminal that this guy called this shit autopilot it's just people probably believe that it's autopilot right oh uh i mean more than likely just the fact that it's on the news that that's more people come away thinking even though they did said there was no there's nothing to prove alcohol or drugs or autopilot was involved they'll come away thinking yeah it was the autopilot it was a tesla right and you know you don't know and it's possible that the computer or whatever got destroyed so mm. who knows oh, sure. speaking and, of being destroyed Jesus and Christ. yeah speaking of being destroyed this next and we're probably going to hear more about this going forward there were a lot of news stories about this i just picked one um there was a house in the Sunset District of San Francisco that seems to have just exploded. I mean, it didn't explode by itself. It certainly had human assistance in the explosion. They were making drugs. They were making drugs. So here's Maybe. the here's the news hit from, again, KPIX5, the CBS affiliate here in the Bay Area. All right, turning to some other news. Big story tonight. The San Francisco man accused of causing the deadly home explosion last week in the Sunset District. He made his first court appearance today. 53-year-old Darren Price wasn't actually arraigned today. The judge pushed that to Friday. We weren't allowed to show Price's face, but his attorney stood with her hand on his shoulder in support throughout the hearing. Prosecutors say butane vapors from an illegal drug lab in the home may have interacted with a dryer, causing the blast. The judge also granted the attorney's request to let Price talk to his children while he's in jail. When they are facing what will likely be the most difficult moments of their entire life, at bare minimum, he should be allowed to speak with them. And I think he, he has an incredible amount of love for them, and he is so concerned about them and their well-being right now. 
Price is facing a total of nine felony charges, including involuntary manslaughter, a drug manufacturing charge, and four counts of reckless burning. His kids were not home at the time of the blast, but he is facing two counts of child endangerment, as well as one count of elder abuse. The medical examiner identified the victim as 51-year-old Rita Price, Darren Price's wife. A friend of hers said Price was wheelchair-bound after suffering some sort of stroke or brain aneurysm years ago. She leaves behind three children. Her oldest was out of town when the explosion happened. The two younger children are staying with a relative now. Hmm. The blast caused massive damage to neighboring homes, and our Katie Nielsen is in the sunset with how those residents are hoping to move forward. We're here on 22nd Avenue, the site of that explosion, and just about 45 minutes ago, a closed-door meeting wrapped up. It was only for residents who were impacted. Residents much like the Garth family oh, shit. live here in this yellow house. Bits and pieces, really. David Garth was only able to salvage a handful of items from the home he go. and his family lived in for almost a decade. These were two of her favorite books. A few mementos and books oh. from a back bedroom that didn't burn in the aftermath of Thursday morning's explosion. Oh, it's total, total loss. It's everything like damaged, everything like completely gone. David's wife, Nang, says their six-year-old daughter's bedroom was on the side of the house closest to the explosion. And now almost everything inside is unrecognizable. Normally I would have been home at that time, but uh, that day things played out differently and thank goodness we weren't there. His relief turns to frustration as he talks about his former neighbor, Darren Price, who has since been charged with crimes related to the explosion, but has not been convicted. I'm angry at Darren for killing his wife and endangering everybody else, destroying our home and the other neighbor's home over there. Almost a dozen homes were damaged in some way by the blast, which is why San Francisco Supervisor Joel Engardio is hosting a closed-door meeting for impacted residents. We just want to bring all the department heads together to talk to the residents and, and offer information and potential resources. David and his wife are hoping there's more the city can do to help. He says they don't have renter's insurance and their only safety net right now is an online fundraising campaign. Most of what survived, which is clothing that was in the back bedrooms, we've been told not to use because it may be contaminated with asbestos or lead from the old house and also from next door and also the chemicals that uh, Darren was playing with. That community meeting was not open to members of the media, but we did have a chance to talk with some of the residents when they came out. They said they were grateful that the city put something together to talk with them about all of the services available, but then we're also somewhat disappointed to hear there is not going to be a lot of financial help coming their way. Mm. So, <clears throat> man, I don't know what he was making. Butane, my, like, limited understanding of like manufacturing butane is often for like actually cannabis concentrates people will use it to make cash people will use it to make um wax i don't know if butane is used in the production of uh methamphetamine and but fuck man fuck. my understanding is that he, yeah my understanding is that it was something along those lines hash or some sort of um uh yeah uh what are they dabs yeah dab, yeah like Res, um resins yeah, yeah. For, it's just that's just another kind of hash, I suppose. Yeah, it's just right. con concentrates. Concentrates. Thank you. That's but the my word I'm looking for. God, how much of that shit was he trying to make? Uh, quite a bit. Looks like those, those butane tanks were pretty large. So, um, and that explosion was pretty substantial. And God, that's awful. His own, his own wife too. Jeez. 
And then next door, they, I mean, they should thank their lucky stars that, you know, or our apartment is charred beyond belief. At least their babies or their kids okay, right? Well, I think they said they weren't home. Yeah, they lucky. Good timing. I mean, not good timing, obviously. And there's no good timing for something like this, but, oh. Well, I mean, well, you know, I could have we'll been way worse. On. Yeah, that was, that's a terrifying story. We're going to learn more. We're going to learn more. Um, he's got a good public defender. God bless his soul. Um, but he's facing he's facing a pretty much live sentence at this point. With all that stuff with all that stuff racked up. Go on to something a little lighter out of San Francisco. One of the first <laughs> things we covered in San Francisco was the scooters. Do you remember people were like there were there were like people were complaining that there were scooters like up in the trees and blocking oh, the sidewalks and in, in Oakland Lake they were Merit. throwing them in Lake Mary. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> For so, sure. So is this happening again? No, actually, Bird's oh. Bird Scooter is like well we're going to go ahead and get, get the scooter out of the tree. And actually we're just going to take them out of San Francisco altogether. Mm. New at six, the e-scooter company bird is leaving San Francisco. The company brings oh. the city's rules and fines. NBC Bay. Damn rules. Talk to one city supervisor who says good riddance. Aaron Peskin. Yeah, was, I'm hoping so. San Francisco, but rental electric scooters have always been among the more controversial options. Some love the convenience, others say they're simply another thing clogging city streets and sidewalks. They're like people just dump them, you know, but that's not that's not necessarily the company's fault. That's the individuals. Now there will be one less company offering them in the city by the bay. Bird, which has operated in San Francisco since 2018, says it's leaving. Bird released a statement that reads in part, Unfortunately, the regulatory environment in the city, including the fine structure, has been uniquely challenging, making it extremely difficult to operate a financially sustainable program. Board of Supervisors President Aaron Peskin disagrees and didn't hold back when asked about it. Ding. San Francisco has been doing something very similar to other cities, uh, but Bird's has been a bad actor and uh, we're happy to see this bird fly the coop. Peskin says the city has taken oh. great steps in getting scooters off sidewalks and while they're good transportation solutions, the city has implemented regulations to address the new issues that can come with new technology. If they are parked illegally blocking entrances to businesses, for example, uh, there are warnings and subsequently if it's a repeat offender, uh, you know, appropriate fines. None of them are onerous. Uh, the other companies have been seeing massive behavioral change in the people who use them. Bird says it proposed changes to support better riding and parking compliance and asked the city for reductions in fines while they implemented changes but couldn't reach an agreement. I would argue that uh, you've just got sour grapes from a company that was high-handed and abusive. In a statement, SFMTA said in part, we are disappointed by Bird's decision to leave the San Francisco market but look forward to continuing work with Lime and Spin as we fully integrate scooter sharing into San Francisco's transportation network. Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. In other words, suck it, dude. It's a competitive market. Yeah, I <clears throat> I just don't I I mean, I can kind of see like why the the company's like, "Hey, you know, we <clears throat> in our app, we tell people not to do these things." <clears throat> but I don't know. Like there there has to be some way to like verify that the person locked the scooter like to you know what i'm saying there's got to be some technological solution in where if people don't do that 
you just don't let them use your scooters anymore. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling this is this goes probably goes beyond um, those general sort of issues, right? I think that's probably an issue every scooter company and every uh, bike share company um, deals with. I would imagine. Um, I'm guessing this has something more to do with just specifically Bird and their relationship with the city, and they maybe they just, you know don't want to play ball or they don't they don't want to play ball with the regulations that the other companies want to play ball with, and they think that they're bigger than that, so they don't need San Francisco, so they they'll pull out. And who knows? Maybe maybe they'll be back. Maybe this is a you know threat or a bluff, but um, or a, a a bird in a bush. Who knows? Um, but. Uh, we'll we'll see, but I, I I have to think that all companies deal with that kind of shit, right? Like this this has got to be politics. Yeah, there's a lot of companies operating in San Francisco, and San Francisco is pretty regulation right. heavy. Heavy, and, so and you know, and anytime Aaron Peskin's involved, I'm a little sus. <laughs> but that's, he had a, that's he had a really he had a really bad joke. Yes, that's that's he's, he has the dad joke. He's the dad of the supporter supervisor, so he gets the dad joke. So we're we're a little tight on time. I think we're going to go ahead and skip this credit card skimming story, but do check the the docket. The our links are in the show notes, and if you're uh, watching live, you can hit exclamation point down ballot to get our links for this week. We're going to move on in to get your shit together, and it looks like Oakland, the city of Oakland, was hit by a ransomware attack. And we're going to take a listen to uh, what's going on there and uh, how bad it is, because you know we don't usually view the stories before the show. So. There is a lot of frustration, but not a lot of answers about the ransomware attack against the city of Oakland that's lasted more than a week. Cyber criminals are holding the city's data hostage, demanding money in exchange for it back. The attack isn't affecting 911 calls, the city's financial data or fire department resources, but it's affected just about everything else. People coming to pay tickets or file reports are having some big problems. Our Lin tried everything he could to push the city for answers on what is going on and when it will be fixed. Oakland city officials say unless you have an emergency, there's not a whole lot they can do for you. Again, people can still call 911. That is still working. But workers say any other kind of city service that requires a city computer is likely unavailable. The lobby at the Oakland Police Department is one of few places still open to the public. But there are signs alerting people the computers are down and they have limited services. I feel a little bit uncomfortable given the fact that they don't know when this is going to be resolved. Raymond Highsmith says someone stole his license plate about two months ago and apparently racked up a lot of traffic citations in Oakland. Parking attendant says, wow, you've racked up a lot of tickets. They're going to immediately tow your car. And I was like, how, how many? It's, no one has an answer. So I'm pretty much just kind of lost waiting to figure this out. While the Maybe you could take a bird scooter. They can't look up any information. Frustration, fear. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to drive my car because I don't want to get it pulled over. Hackers hit the city of Oakland with a ransomware attack last Wednesday. <laughs> the city declared a state of emergency this week. A spokesperson emailed a statement to me saying the network outage has impacted many non-emergency systems, including the ability to collect payments, process reports, and issue permits and licenses. I emailed, called, texted, and even went to City Hall to try to get additional answers, but no one responded. We have so many questions, including Hello. how long will the shutdown last, and did the hacker steal sensitive data like customer credit card numbers or employee information? I did find this video from the special city council meeting from Thursday. But the first order of business is to protect the network, clean it, scrub it, 
and then rebuild the network and put it back onto the system. We are in that process now, and we believe that uh, next week we will be uh, more functional functionally uh, able to provide services. Raymond happens to work as an IT administrator for a company in Alameda. This ruins most private businesses. This, yeah. So the fact this is happening to a city of Oakland, yeah, this is a little disturbing. For now, Raymond is driving this backup SUV. He's keeping his car home, fearing they'll tow it. I'm going to be pretty much stuck like this for a while unless I get this resolved. We hope to get answers and a better timeline next week as to when things will get back to normal. So real quick, <clears throat> people are frustrated, but the city is actually doing the right thing by kind of being tight-lipped on this while they figure out what's going on. Yeah, um, very much so. There, people are conducting investigations, trying to trying to find who did this, trying to make sure that next time they put up their network that it doesn't happen again. And I know it's frustrating for the citizens, but the people, network security, people who are the security people, they probably hired some outside help. And um, it's wise for the city to kind of be tight-lipped about this until they uh, believe they've resolved the issue. I know 100%. that it's very, very frustrating for the people of Oakland trying to interface with the city, especially those of us who have to drive our backup SUV, especially a nice yellow one like that. But I also, I bet that the person who is, works in IT also that they were talking to also understands that it is wise for the city to be rather tight-lipped about this and not be like, oh, well, this is how it happened and this is how they did it and it happened at exactly this time. And no, 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 no. <laughs> we no. know it was you, Bob. Oh, don't. Well, the other thing is it could be a blueprint for the next person that's going to do it if you, mm -hmm. if, because it's not like, you know, you put up your, your city uh, IT infrastructure. It's not like you're going to put up something completely drastically different than what was there before right first right. of all there aren't that well, many options and secondly like then not, nobody's going to be able to use it so <clears throat> it, it could have been as simple as bill and hr clicking on a link in an email that that it could have just been that you know a phishing scam but uh and this anyway. i'll do a little so i'll do a little soapbox here uh city should all be running open source software it is harder to get in it is harder to harder to compromise systems if the systems are running open source software, especially if it's big projects with a lot of eyes on it, because there's a lot of eyes on the project and people are finding security vulnerabilities every day. And when the security vulnerability happens, they put in a pull request and it gets fixed. And then there's a record that it was fixed and everybody knows it was fixed. And that's the end of my soapbox on this. Testify, testify, testify. All right. Well, um, get your shit together, Oakland. We, we wish you well in a good way, get your shit together, right? Um, and people of Oakland, be patient with your city government because sometimes you get caught with your pants down and it's embarrassing, um, but you just, you just want to put your pants back on and walk home. So let them walk home and figure their shit out. And um, I don't do a lot of consulting work, but I am available, city of Oakland, uh, reach out. This is, a, this is a space I used to work in and um, things don't change that much. And uh, a good backup, good backups are very important. Uh, if they had proper backups, they could just roll it back to last week. <laughs> and then I guess get hacked again <laughs> because of some conditions that Going existed last back week where how you got hacked. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm Take available and, um, you know, I'm, I'm cheaper than paying the ransom. <laughs> Take it back with the Wayback machine. All right. Well, um, let's move it on down ballot, shall we? Let's, uh, let's do this. So we had, I, I had moved this story from, uh, uh, winners and losers to down ballot. And I, 
I had moved it and your comment was pretty much the reason I had moved it. I'm like, hey, this is going to start to become a local political issue. Yeah, very much so. This district, um, District 9 in uh, San Francisco, in, which includes the Mission um, District, uh, is up for election next year. I think Hillary Ronan is terming out uh, the current supervisor. So there's going to be an open election next November to replace her. Um, and it's a ranked choice. Yay. So we're going to, I'm sure we're going to see this as an issue, um, especially if it keeps rolling or not rolling as the case may be. So for people who don't know what issue we're talking about, it's the uh, sex work on Cap Street in uh, the Mission District of San Francisco. And we're going to see basically firefighters are like, don't put these barricades here because we might need to get a fire truck through there. And uh, among other problems, people are, people are certainly not in agreement on how to deal with this and um i certainly hope some kind of solution that works for everybody happens because even if you just live there and you're trying to fucking park your car and maybe you're just tired and you're on your way home from work and you're like ah fuck anyway here's a this from uh again kpix5 the cbs affiliate here in the bay area San Francisco Firefighters Union is raising public safety concerns about new concrete barriers. They're being put up to actually deter sex work on Cap Street. Neighbors have complained about rampant prostitution in that area. So the heavier barriers, they went up this weekend to replace the previous metal and wood versions, which people either moved or drove right through. The barriers are only up <laughs> on one side of the block, but the local San Francisco Firefighters Union 798 raised concerns about them slowly having emergency response. So they tweeted, selfish decisions that put others at risk can have dire consequences. It goes on to say, if you were trapped in a building, how long would you like to wait? Supervisor Hillary Ronan, whose office requested the barriers, responded, Twitter is not the place <laughs> yes. to have serious policy conversations. I'm working deeply on the issue. If you'd like to join, I'd welcome it. In the meantime, the barriers have afforded the residents, including countless children, the first nights of peace they've had in a long time. Call me. So Ronan says the barriers are only temporary, and the real solution is legalizing sex work. Yes. Kelsey Thord spoke with a sex worker who says their voices should be included in this entire debate. Maxine Dugan is a sex worker. She's been a sex worker in the Bay Area for over 30 years and told me she plans to continue to be a sex worker for the next 30. I don't think too much about what people think. <laughs> I don't really care what they think. I can't be bothered with what they think. What Maxine does think about is how to make her occupation safer. She's been arrested for prostitution three times over her career and is tired of it. You know, when you're arrested, you know, you're taken out of your job. When you're held in jail, you know, you lose money. And that means your kids aren't going to have what they need. Discussion of legalizing sex work has hit the front pages in recent weeks. Cap Street in the Mission District has been at the center of those discussions. During the day, it looks like every other street in the area but at night, that all changes. When I get off uh, at nighttime, like after, like around 9 or 10 p.m., yeah, when I drive by Cap Street, I see uh, prostitution. I see ladies over there, yeah. Evelyn Figueroa manages a cafe on Cap Street. She told me she's definitely seen an increase in sex workers on the street in the last year. This two years, so a year ago, it's been more activity more ladies outside, yeah. 
That increase in activity has led to complaints by some residents. San Francisco Supervisor Hillary Ronan represents the district Cap Street is in. She says she's been working with both residents and sex workers to try and find a solution and believes that solution is legalization. Her office released this statement calling for a move towards, quote, decriminalization and ultimately legalization and regulation of sex work. Really, the, the main goal here is to get the uh, sex workers off of residential streets and the Johns and the pimps off of residential streets, but also provide a safe place for uh, people to conduct business. Evelyn, the manager of the cafe on Cap Street, told me she's all for that. Because that's going to bring money to the city. <laughs> I love yeah. her. But, um, they should do it's it. Like, like, come get a coffee and then, you know, get whatever else you need. Not in this area, which is a lot of uh, families and business. Get a sandwich. So, they should have, I don't know, sex. have a place. Maxine, however, is not on board. You know, the prostitute nation has been working illegally for a hundred years. Um, you know, we're not... A little bit longer than that, following any Maxine. regulation or, you know, legalization scheme that is crafted without us. Maxine says Supervisor Ronan's office did not consult with her or any sex workers she knows. She says she doesn't want legalization, she just wants decriminalization. Decriminalization means that you're removing the criminal penalties from us to be able to negotiate for our own labor and our own safe work conditions. And legalization means that, you know, you're going to regulate our business. Maxine says all she wants is to be able to do her job safely and without the fear of arrest. She believes this latest push for legalization is more about trying to control her than to help her. Maybe you should wear our high heels for a while and see what that's like. See how, how that works out for you. It's an issue that has sparked debate for centuries and one that looks like it will continue long into the future. It's not just San Francisco. Ronan also says she's working with Oakland City Council members, Nikki Fortunato-Boss, on, on a strategy actually to protect sex workers. So <clears throat> decriminalization would probably happen prior to legalization anyway. Yes. Um, and I remember that we, we went through this with cannabis. People were like, mm -hmm. people were like, oh, you know, don't regulate uh, cannabis. And they actually were right. They didn't say it exactly, but they're like, you're going to gentrify my weed. And I mean, they were right. Weed is completely gentrified now. Well, we'll find about all about that in the next story, won't we? Um, but yes, uh, it, I mean, everything gets gentrified sooner or later, right? Once someone realizes they can make money off of it, once someone realizes the city can make a lot of money off of this, then, you know, it's going to, it's going to take off. Um, and it's going to get away from the folks who made it cool in the first place. I mean, my position is generally for uh, legalization and regulation because then, you know, there will be the, the whole thing will just be uh, much safer. There will be businesses mm -hmm. where you can go like inside mm -hmm. and there will be like security there. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I think uh, in, in general, you know, if we could figure out a way to um, I don't know, merge the the uh, so we say the black market and the more creative market with the, the gentrified market, then uh, we, we might have something. But in the meantime, you're right, it's safer. And yeah, there's revenue for city services that are not um, necessarily more cops, like parks and uh, open spaces and arts 
And I mean, that lady's cafe would just be cracking because she's obviously an mm-hmm. ally. All right, she's down. She's <laughs> maybe down. she's maybe she's legalized. already saving up money to be like, I'll open a shop. Yeah, she's like, there's more ladies out there, so I'll just you know I'll have a little ladies' night, right? Um, but as long as it's legal. <laughs> so we're gonna move on to. I just mentioned cannabis. Uh, we're looking at possibly legalizing cannabis cafes, and <clears throat> I'm unsure what the details are gonna be, but we'll we'll see what the we'll see how the news covers it. They're probably gonna cover it in a dumb way. Let's see what's happening here. Imagine walking into a Bay Area cafe ordering lunch with a joint on the side. That could be reality here soon. A new state bill is looking to legalize cannabis cafes. Kelsey Thord introduces us to a local dispensary that really wants this bill to pass and why some lawmakers think it could be what the state needs to do to help the struggling cannabis industry. For the last three years, Drakari Donaldson has walked past the vacant storefront that borders his San Francisco dispensary and envisioned all the things he could do with the space, if only it wasn't illegal. You know, a neighborhood cafe where people can both enjoy cannabis that they purchase at my location, as well as a coffee or a muffin or even just a sandwich, nice music. Drakari can't open a cafe like that because under current California law, dispensaries aren't allowed to sell food or drinks. It um, was rolled out as a medicine first, which is great, and I'm, I'm happy that that all worked out. But at the same time, what was stripped from it was the culture behind cannabis. That loss of culture is one of the reasons Drakari believes the industry is struggling so much. His shop, California Street Cannabis Company, is no exception. You know, I think across the board, revenue is probably down about 20%. But local assembly member Matt Haney is hoping hey. to change that. He's introduced a bill that would end the ban on food and drinks, allowing dispensaries to open cafes. Uh, we see from places around the world, like Amsterdam, that uh, people will come to a cafe uh, smoke cannabis safely and legally with others or consume it however they do, uh, eat coffee and a sandwich, and that that will sandwich thousands of jobs. You get so high you think you're eating your coffee. All over the country and the world and be a huge boost to tourism and hospitality. Several California cities, including San Francisco, are already on board with the idea. However, that doesn't mean there hasn't been some pushback. Some people are concerned that this is promoting drug use at a time when we really have a serious problem with drugs in our state. But the assembly member says that problem stems from illegal drugs, not from recreational marijuana use. He believes cannabis cafes will both promote safe consumption and boost tourism. Customers at Drakari's shop agree. I think if uh, there's a solid Yelp reviews on the food and um, I got good feedback, I'd try it out for sure. Drakari told me he's all for it. Opening a cafe would not only boost his company's revenue, but he believes it would also bring back some of that culture that's been lost. Again, create that sense of community by bringing people together through entertainment, food, and another, another way to socialize, right? But of course, that dream is dependent on whether or not Assemblymember Haney's bill is passed. So while that process continues, Drakari remains stuck walking by the vacant storefront every day, his dream just out of reach, locked behind a gate. So like <clears throat> the only the only thing about this is just, just going to be ventilation, right? You can't fucking smoke inside. 
So these would have to be like on patios, but that, I mean, that's not hard to, to, this is not a tough egg to crack. No, shouldn't be. There's models for it around the world. Uh, just go to Amsterdam, uh, check out the red light district there. It's, you know, for, for this, for sex work, for anything, right? Like there's models. And um, not for yeah. nothing, if like the hot new restaurant in town opens up and maybe you weren't in favor of cannabis because you had a negative uh, view of people who smoke cannabis, but you just heard that the fucking steak Diane there is outrageous. And then you went there and you were like on the patio and some people were smoking a joint and some people weren't and everybody was just having their dinner. Maybe it would change your mind about people who smoke pot, right? It, it might if they passed you the joint. Right. Well, those, yeah, those, uh, well. You you should actually I think if people don't want to smoke weed or use drugs you should be respectful and not not try to peer pressure. Well, them. I mean you, you pass it to them they don't have to take it you, you know offer it you don't like force it upon them. Rosemary's baby like hold them down take the weed. Um, but yeah no this this is this is all good we need to, we need to figure this out. Thank you Matt Haney for for representing us well in Sacramento. Yeah, the food would have better reviews if everybody was high anyway. Um, so Matt Haney, who used to represent the tenderloin on the board of supervisors, by the way. So um, we got <clears throat> got a couple more stories in down ballot watch. We got uh, the uh, San Mateo mayor, who probably was just recently elected, I think, is uh, yes. facing a recall uh, because I guess there was what some people believe is a messy mayoral appointment. And let's see what uh, ABC Seven Bay Area has to say about this. New developments tonight. The mayor of San Mateo is the latest public official to face a recall effort. Amarance Lee is facing uh, backlash just months after she took over the job in City Hall. Lee calls it a waste of time and taxpayer money. But as ABC 7 News reporter Tim Johns explains, Lee is no stranger to criticism since taking office. You might not know it walking down the picturesque streets of San Mateo, but at the heart of this peninsula city, a political battle is brewing. What we need to stay focused on is the work of the people and doing the business of the people. For the past several weeks, groups of people have been gathering signatures, trying to get a recall of San Mateo Mayor Amarance Lee on the November ballot. I just think that her uh, motivations and a lot of her behavior, she hasn't shown honesty, she hasn't shown contrition, uh, or a willingness to work with all of us. Michael Weinhauer is a local resident and one of those pushing for the recall. He says five former San Mateo mayors support recalling Lee. Weinhauer points to Lee's behavior as mayor, as well as her plans for the development of the city as some of the driving forces behind the campaign. When you become a leader, you have to morph into someone who's driving for a particular cause into someone who represents your entire constituency. But this isn't the first time that Lee's political career has come under fire. Back when she was appointed mayor several months ago, the process took several days. That delay was caused by two San Mateo City Council members trying to stall Lee's appointment as mayor back in December. It left the city without a mayor for a week and culminated in Lee alleging that she had been approached by individuals telling her to trade her vote for an empty city council seat for votes for her to become mayor. Allegations are now under investigation by the San Mateo County District Attorney's Office. As for the recall, Lee says she's focusing on the job at hand and not letting her critics phase her. I think most San Mateo residents and local businesses they want us to stay focused on addressing unmet needs. Lee is supported by several prominent elected officials, including local U.S. Representative Kevin Mullen. Well, that was a weird place for them to cut the YouTube video. What a shit weird. show. Absolutely. I, I'm actually really disappointed with how they're like trying to paint her as controversial in some way when it's none of this shit was her fault at all. 
she uh i think she was at a, a some sort of pro-choice rally and she was called, singled out by the pro-lifers and by some some fringe groups um and some carpetbaggers and some astroturfers and they have since just made her like the target of their ire which was the entire deal behind and this is all from the good wife thank you good wife for the intel um and this is all sort of led into and fed into this bullshit around the mayoral appointment which was a totally ceremonial rotational kind of appointment but it was made a big deal of because of her not because of uh, the the process or any of that bullshit or any politics or policy it's just her a um, bunch of racist fucking uh sexist misogynistic pricks like that white dude that they had representing the recall Lee in 2023. How cute um, group, right? Uh, this is just disgusting. It's such a waste of time, a waste of people's resources and waste of people's intelligence too. Um, this, this uh, public servant has done nothing wrong, but try to serve her and done nothing but try to serve her city. You know, yeah. uh, so <clears throat> fuck you guys. <laughs> they let that, they let that guy kind of go with what he said about her behavior. And then the, nobody, said what was the behavior that he was talking about her behavior as mayor or whatever like i yeah, don't know I'm, what they're even talking about if if she has behaved badly as mayor maybe the the news could have told us about it but if she hasn't maybe the news could have said we're you know we can't you know verify any of the we don't know what you know we don't know what the claims are of malfeasance and like they didn't say anything about the guy's claims they just ran his claims no and they didn't go and talk to those like former mayors that he claims you know are supporting the recall including former mayor jerry hill who was a also in the state Senate. Um, and I don't, that's really disappointing to see if he is supporting that. I thought he was a little more intelligent than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is, this is a, it's very, it's not, I guess it's just, I could say it's disappointing in terms of the local news coverage being shitty, but we kind of used to that here on down ballot. So, yeah. So we got two, we got two more that we're going to get through here. Um, yeah. Thanks again, it. everybody for hanging out for down ballot tonight. This is again, the last down ballot on a Tuesday. We'll be back on the third third of march for our putting it back on friday before conspiracy bingo <clears throat> there so senator diane feinstein is <clears throat> I, you know her term's gonna be up and she's not running again as you know you know she's she's getting up there in years it's it's mm. time it's time mm. other people thought it was time before but i you know it's time now and um so barbara lee is gonna run i think that we also have uh um is it i forget who shift Anyway, Schiff. Schiff is running and as well yeah. as um, Katie Porter, Katie Porter. So yeah. uh, I'm really glad that Barbara Lee is going to run. Um, unless there's something I really don't know about her, I'm going to be inclined to support her. But uh, let's see what the news has to say about her putting her uh, her hat in the ring. Turning now to Decision 2024, longtime Bay Area Congresswoman Barbara Lee announcing that she's running for the U.S. Senate seat currently held by Dianne Feinstein. Our digital journalist, Abby Fernandez, tracking the race. It's suddenly getting more crowded. That's right, Laura. The veteran Oakland politician made the announcement earlier today. Not many were surprised by it, though, as she had already sort of announced it last month when she told the Congressional Black Caucus she was planning to run for the seat. And last week, she filed paperwork to create a Senate fundraising committee. This morning, though, she tweeted via her campaign account saying, quote, Californians deserve a strong, progressive leader who has delivered real change. Using that hashtag that's familiar to her, Barbara Lee speaks for me. She also released her first official campaign ad. Take a listen. When there weren't protections for survivors of domestic violence, I wrote California's first Violence Against Women Act. When it was legal to discriminate against the LGBTQ plus community, 
I wrote the Hate Crimes Reduction Act and got a Republican governor to sign it into law. Now, I spoke with our political analyst, Larry Gerson, about her chances of being elected. He says there are a couple of obstacles she'll likely face. Well, she has two obstacles, at least in today's world. Uh, one, she doesn't have much money. She's got about $50,000 in her uh, her campaign war chest. Uh, that'll buy a few postage stamps. Uh, someone like uh, Adam Schiff has $20 million, uh, and that's more likely the kind of starting point. The other thing is her age. I mean, these days... Uh, uh, age is uh, considered to be a, an issue for some uh, big major races. After all, that's the problem for many with Dianne Feinstein. Uh, Barbara Lee is in her late 70s, and uh, and some people will look at that as a, as a problem. Okay, Abby, so uh, Larry mentioned Adam Schiff there. We've got three candidates in the running now. That's right. There are now three major Democratic candidates in the running to replace Senator Feinstein. We have Representative Barbara Lee, of course, we were just talking about her, Representative Adam Schiff, and Congresswoman Katie Porter. The interesting note here, both Schiff and Porter announced they were running for the seat before Feinstein made her retirement plans official. Now, we'll be following this race closely, of course. You can find all the latest information on NBCBayArea.com. Katie Porter's definitely my second choice. I like white board Katie. She does a great job. Uh, we'll see. That, we'll uh, see how it shakes I, out. I do like Barbara. The guy said yeah. she only has 50 grand, but she hasn't even started raising money yet. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to be seen. Exactly. Um, and she has a broad base of support that she can draw from. So we'll see. We will definitely see. Uh, but we'll follow that that one as we, we move forward. What, what, what do we have for one more thing tonight? <laughs> we have. It's a great story. We have ChatGPT likely helped a student cheat in an ethics course about artificial intelligence. Uh. Fucking great. <laughs> we're just going to let this we're just going to let this roll because this is this is this is a funny this is the, the headline. So meta. Alone. The headline alone is just pretty funny. Well, it is one of the latest disruptors in the Silicon Valley and it's shaking things up in classrooms across the country as well. The website ChatGPT is forcing educators to rethink the way they teach and the way they test students, too. It's, it's a big deal. Senior investigative reporter Bagat Shaban digs into this new world of AI and explains the lesson educational institutions in the Bay Area are now having to learn the hard way. Well, welcome to class. It's good to see you all again. For nearly a decade, yes. Professor Brian Green has assigned his engineering students essays as a major part of their final grade. But this semester is different. Hopefully things will go smoothly. Instead of completing the written assignments at home, students will have to give oral presentations in person. It's going to be basically a conversation between me and you. So why the change? Anybody need to sign up? He's worried about cheating. I'm trying to kind of remove the temptation, I would say. The latest tech tempting students is called ChatGBT, and it's capable of writing comprehensive essays or just about anything else you want in just seconds. It scrapes the internet for answers and then uses artificial intelligence or AI to formulate high level responses to a wide range of requests. Write a five paragraph essay about the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Come up with a poem about winter in San Francisco. Summarize World War II from the perspective of a fifth grader. ChatGBT's <laughs> answers are raising a lot of questions for Professor Green, All right. whose class focuses on ethics in artificial intelligence. Have you ever had any inklings that any one of your students may have used ChatGBT to cheat? So I was reading one of my student papers once, 
and it did seem a little bit suspicious. So it wasn't exactly on topic, and also it had a very kind of, uh, honestly, a robotic feel to it in some ways. So you think one of your students used AI to cheat in your AI class? I mean, uh, the, the irony is very clearly there, yes. And not just any class, an ethics in AI class. That's exactly right. The applications of the technology go far beyond just education. ChatGBT can write a wedding toast for a bridesmaid, step-by-step -step instructions for fixing a leaky faucet, and a one-line speech to break up with your girlfriend <laughs> for 25 years. I'm sorry, but I think it's time for us to go our separate ways and start a new chapter in our lives. Educators in Silicon Valley are now cramming to learn more about ChatGBT and what it means for their classrooms. That's one of my biggest fears about this technology. Faculty at Santa Clara University recently got together to discuss the impact. Yeah, we're really worried about this. Berkeley, Stanford, San Francisco State, and San Jose State tell us they too have held internal meetings about ChatGBT, but none bans access to the website. We also surveyed the largest school districts in the Bay Area. 70% have held discussions about ChatGBT and 30% already block it on school computers. We really felt like we needed to- Okay, that's, um, that's enough of this. This guy's segments are always too long. Yes, big ed, big ed. <clears throat> but that's incredibly funny that somebody used AI or that this guy believes somebody used AI to cheat in an ethics on AI class. I feel like that's so like smart and interesting that that person should get an A plus on it. Just, just no matter what kind of garbly good the chat fucking bot spit it's out. It's so meta. It's, it's just great. It's yeah. super. It's super smart. And the person clearly like they they didn't just do it like because they were lazy. I think they they did it to see if they could. <laughs> and so that that's and pretty they smart. Did <laughs> in this and kind of in yeah in this kind of stuff like if you're doing a thing about cheating and then you cheat for it to like because you think you can it it it. It's about cheating. It's smart. Hell smart. No, it's, it's definitely, the, it's elevated to the next level here. Anyway, so that congrats. is, that is down ballot. Would you like to read us out? I could do that, I suppose. Um, well, thank you for joining us for um, the final uh, Tuesday night live version of down ballot before we move to our new location and uh, time and temporal location at 730 PM Pacific on Friday nights uh, starting next week on March the 3rd, 3-3. Be ready for that. Um, as always, I am the Councilman and Producer Dave on the dials. Please go to echoplexmedia.com to find out more about all of our uh, wonderful shows and streams and learn more about how you can support this network. Uh, please get vaccinated, wear a mask, pants are optional, and have a great night. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing queen Now get the fuck up on stage and like the scene, yeah We do what we want 
And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Enjoy the band I turn and head back to the bar For a refill, man, because you know where we are We're headed out to the car to smoke another one, and another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight is down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' me Rockin' the rolly, all that sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but don't probably do it sloppily We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Sunday, 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 right here on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. It's the Plex, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific and on into red light. We have the worst news in the week that no one else will cover. The Plex has it all. Conspiracy, right-wing nutjobs, Christian extremism, and Madison Star Moon. 
Tune in every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.